show that engages with the canon so that you don't have to. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. So what are we doing today? Today we have a a very exciting (laughs) pairing of things. We're going to talk about the band Metallica Mm -hmm. and the film Run Lola Run. Yes. So why don't we start with Run Lola Run? Because honestly, I know very little. Yeah, me too. And I, I'm like not embarrassed that I haven't seen it. Just to completely undermine the premise of this podcast, it doesn't feel super urgent to me. But it, it has like hung around the consciousness for a really long time. I will say I owned when we all had, there was a time, young listeners, when all millennials had a giant black folder filled with CDs that had been divorced from their little jewel cases. Yes. And in that time of CD possession, I owned the soundtrack to Run Lola Run. Why, I don't know. I think because a camp counselor I knew also Mm -hmm. had it, and I was like, this is cool music. I don't know. And it was like $2 at Amoeba or something. My understanding is that it's like a a pretty kick-ass soundtrack. Yeah, it just seemed like good to have for like building the energy. Yeah. But I literally don't know anything about the movie except that who I presume to be Lola has orange hair. Yes. Like in The Fifth Element. I believe it is directly but, referencing that. Oh, it's, it's referencing it, Same it. color and cut. Ha, the, she has to run a lot and there's like cool techno music. That's what I have for you. I know it's a German movie. It takes place in Berlin, which is a lot of the reason why I'm excited for this movie because oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking love Berlin. A very... Like post-Cold War Berlin. Very photogenic city. Yeah. And also just like what a weird... 20th century it had sure my understanding is that it is not just running somewhere but it's like there's a time loop involved oh there's definitely a countdown yeah and i think it's like she has two minutes or something like that to do something I, i it's a very short amount of time there's a time loop that's involved i'm not entirely sure but i've seen like snippets of it every once in a while and what I know about the soundtrack and what I already enjoy about the setting, I am really hoping that I have fun with it. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to enjoy it. It's not going to spare me any shame, I think, for not knowing it, but it'll probably make me sound smart to bring it up. It feels like one of those ones that like no one is like, oh, you haven't seen it. But sometimes people will be like, oh, it's like Run, Lola, Run. And I'll be like, I haven't seen it. And they're like, oh, yeah, bummer. You're missing out. Yeah. Whereas Metallica. Metallica, I think is pretty, well, okay. I also actually, I don't feel embarrassed that I don't know Metallica because I think almost nobody does, but that's weird because everybody knows them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I know one Metallica song and I think most people know one Metallica song Mm -hmm. and yet they are like one of the most famous bands. Like, and like anyone could name them as a band. Anyone could identify their like little logo with the like, undercut i feel like they are emblematic of like a subgenre of like metal yeah <laughs> if you were if you went to anyone and you were like what's a metal band the first one you'd say is metallica. is metallica and yet most of us on this blue marble know one metallica song what's the one metallica song um <laughs> exit light <laughs> enter night enter sandman Take my hand. We're off to never, never land. Yeah. 
All right, let's stop so we don't have to pay James Hetfield. Yeah, I was. I knew Sandman was in the title, but I was like, not. I was like, is it Enter Sandman? Is it Enter the Sandman? Is it Sandman cometh? I don't know. <laughs> the Sandman cometh. <laughs> It's like the Iceman cometh, but way grittier. Yeah. I know that one well enough to like sing along in the car, and mm-hmm. I could not tell you a second title of their songs. I have no idea how I have no idea how many albums they have. I think perhaps they do still play. They do. Yeah. They tour? Yeah. Okay. I know their last couple of albums, their longtime fans have been pretty pissed about. Like ever since I was in high school, and I think the album that I remember hearing a lot about was Saint Anger. And when that came out, everyone was like, oh, Metallica's done. They had their time. Their time is over. But they had like a good 20 years of people really loving them. And a lot of their stuff like Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets. Yeah. Oh my God. How do you fucking know that because i had a metal phase in high school although metallica was never my band when i was in my metal phase metallica was always my cousin's band who was a metal drummer he was very into metallica and man of war i was really into iron maiden and queensrake i guess what i am often struck by when i hear metal music is that when i was a kid i feel like there was all this like hand wringing and pearl clutching around how like music now is just noise and like heavy metal is so heavy i even remember thinking about metallica that i could never listen to such a cacophony and now i mean we'll see about their other tracks but now when i listen to enter sandman it's like it's very easy on the ears to me so, like I hear that it's like metal or whatever. Like I hear that there's like distortion and it's like kind of yeah. jaggedy and it's like whatever. But like it's not a challenge for you to listen to. It. No, and it's like there's a melody, there's words. Like it's pretty like poppy. It's just like a rock song. Like I don't mm-hmm. like it. It's I don't think it's like very abrasive compared to its own image in my mind. Like I mean, I guess there's a scale outwards from there of metal towards just like what it would sound like if you were inside the garbage disposal but like yes i feel like when i first heard enter sandman as a small child like that's what it sounded it sounded like i was inside the garbage disposal and i was like this is a disaster like get me out of here yeah and now i and all of us i think have acclimated to a Mm -hmm. point where it's like no this music is not that intense actually (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm interested to know what you think of their other music because unlike our last episode where we were talking about Marvin Gaye, the singer of Metallica does not have easy voice. There are sure. a couple of heavy metal singers that we may get to someday who do, I think, have bananas vocal ranges. Yeah. The lead singer of Metallica is not one of those guys. I do know that metal vocalists, that that's like so, can be some of the most like intense training and and coaching and like conditioning next to like opera Mm. like if you want to be able to perform that type of music with any kind of longevity there's a lot of technique that you need to put in if you want to be able to do it for more than a couple of years that makes sense i would be interested to know in this post evanescence world that we live in on this podcast yeah uh, how post me noticing evanescence (laughs) Well, yeah, noticing evanescence. Yeah, that's what I mean. On the pod, we are in a post evanescence world. What everyone else has been post evanescence since 2003. Yeah, Yeah. but not us. No, we're joining now. Yeah, I'm curious to see how your opinion will shift just based on having that baseline. I mean, I think I'm gonna enjoy it. I don't think I'm gonna enjoy it as much as evanescence. We'll see. We'll see. There are because Amy Lee's not gonna be there. Well, yeah, that's true. There are some like all time 
metal hits that Metallica put out. Okay. I think I'm going to like it and I think I'm not going to find it. I think I'm going to have an easier way in, so to speak, than I did with Kate Bush. I think Kate yeah. Bush is going to was more foreign to my ears yes. than Metallica is going to be. But I don't know how much it's going to really I don't, I don't know how much I'm going to really commit to it. Like I I feel like it's still going to end up being like good background for Evanescence. <laughs> you know what I sure. mean? Like I don't foresee a scenario where I'm going on my little Angeles National Forest drive and I'm like, you know what? Let me put on Metallica instead of Evanescence. I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen after we record the second half of this episode, but I, I am excited to become more Metallica literate. I did just get publicly admonished on TikTok for not knowing what metal was. Mm. So this should help with that. Yeah, it should. <laughs> And my my impression, and I'm saying this so that I can be wrong later, even as someone who did have a pretty intense metal phase for a couple years, I always studiously avoided Metallica, one, because I thought their singer wasn't the kind of mellifluousness that I wanted, because apparently what I really wanted was Evanescence the whole time. Yep. And it always felt a little bit like, and again, this might just be because St. Anger had come out and people were pissed at Metallica at the time. They just felt a little bit like Baby's first metal band. And so it was like, all right, maybe I should just like leapfrog over them. No, but I guess I do also think that even without even without a metal phase of any kind, I do have this idea that they're like entry level metal. And that's what I'm saying is like, I feel like it's like not that serious. Like yeah. what is metal? But that's also why I'm excited to be able to like, just to be able to be a part of the conversation of like, sorry, what is metal? Because I feel like people act like it's so serious and like separate from mm-hmm. other music. Like you either are metal or you aren't. And like you either know it or you don't. It's it's like very it feels very gate kept. I mean, if our episode about Sex Pistols taught me anything, it's that so was the punk scene. I don't know. I guess I just feel like prove me wrong, metal, but I think you might just also be music, you know? Yeah. And I think also because a lot of the like iconic metal bands are from the 80s or the 70s and the 80s, but mostly the 80s, it feels like they're for dads now. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, they feel a little bit out of step with the, they just don't feel current. I think part of my like agenda in this is the way, you know how I love to go around being like, that's disco, that's secretly disco. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like there are things, like I feel like you hear metal elements all the time, but like metal people don't want to admit I just like to be able to point out where things are blurrier than people act like they are. Mm-hmm. I just think that's fun. Like you can't you can't actually draw walls around genre. Right. The way people want to. Like once something is out there, it can be mined by anyone. And I I just feel like you find metal. I feel like metal is around and people act like it's this like separate sacred like underground like secret different from all of the other rock and rolls and it's like it's, i'm not like the other rocks i'm not the, i'm not the other rock and rolls i'm a metal rock and roll well uh we're about to find out so we'll take a break quick break and then when we come back we'll let you know what we think boop, boop, boop. hello welcome to the future yes Hello. That's where we are. Yeah, we've got our problem prints on and we are ready to make some rulings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we are. I think we should start with Run Lola Run. Okay, we did watch it together, but I, 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 we have not previously discussed our reaction at all, so 
I'll count us in. Okay. One, two, three. So German. Didn't really like it. Yeah. Honestly, actually. You didn't? I didn't. Oh no. Uh, I mean, I didn't. It's like it's short. Yeah. Um, it's unique. So like, I was. It wasn't. I wasn't like ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you weren't mad at it. You just like, didn't. why do we have to do this? Like, I didn't have time to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't feel that way. I was like, I am happy to absorb this. But, like, it didn't do a lot for me. Yeah. It I, was, as you said, very German. Very German. I mean, this movie starts with pumping techno music. Just like a house beat. Oh, my God. The intro was the most German thing. Yes. That intro did not need to be there. It had nothing to do with what was going on. It's funny because I... I Afterwards, when I was sitting there going, what the fuck was that? I looked up, like, what's the deal with this movie? And I was reading something on the internet, so Grain of Salt, that was like, actually, the intro sets up all of the themes of the movie. I could tell that that's... What they thought they were doing? Yes. Mm -hmm. But all they said was, what is existence? What is the meaning what are you know what i mean like all they all they did was 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 ask like the most broad like existential questions so broad as to be meaningless to me and then be like this is a movie about that and it's like yeah literally every piece of art has both been about that and not about that (laughs) you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like it's true like you didn't say anything really right right like, just because you're sitting there being like, what is the man? Yeah. While, like, a beat drops in the background. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying, that it's, like, very general. I think the thing that stuck with me is the bank guard who looks at the camera and just says, there's one ball, it's 90 minutes long, and the rest is theory. And I took that to be, like, you have to get from point A to point B, you have 20 minutes. I don't know. That's, that's also so general as to mean nothing. Yeah, I guess... I mean, maybe I just have, like, a natural contempt for a sports analogy. But sure. that, if it had just been that, if it had just been a techno beat and there's infinity faces, but sometimes we land on one and, like, will this one have to do with... It's a cliche, but it is at least sensical sure. to be like, oh, which of these which of these faces will influence the outcome right which of the (laughs) many realities are we going to see yeah like that like if we were just doing that and then it was and then and then he said the soccer thing then sure maybe but there was like like a two-minute monologue before Mm -hmm. that about like the meaning of existence and like how we're specks of dust in the universe Mm -hmm. and what is the universe and and is the sun drying out and like (laughs) i don't know it just like is it Werner, literally Werner Herzog? I don't know. Maybe. And then it's like, here's a movie about running. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> is that what setting up your theme is? Like, I don't, I hope not. Yeah. I do like that it was more explicit with its theme than some of the experimental stuff that we've done on this show before. Think about how willfully obtuse Mulholland Drive is. Sure. And like, whether it fails or succeeds is a separate question, but I feel like Run Lola Run was like, this is what the movie's about. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And the plot of the movie is very straightforward. It is Lola's boyfriend, Manny, is a bumbling criminal who lost 100,000 Deutschmarks because it's uh, 1998. Before the the Euro. He lost it on a train. And now the uh, mafioso that he works for is going to kill him if Lola can't get 100,000 Deutschmarks in the next 20 minutes. 
And Lola and Manny are the kind of people for whom that is a significant challenge. Yeah. And then we see that play out three different ways. What do we call that? What do we call that? Weaponized incompetence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, I made a mistake. Girlfriend, fix it for me. That's the plot of the movie. (laughs) Yes. Although in his defense, she did also make a mistake. Part of the reason that he lost the money is that she, she was late. Yes, she's and then so that up. becomes like as she hustles to get this money in twenty minutes, like the idea, of, which is also so German. Yes, <laughs> like the primacy of punctuality. Yes, <laughs> where literally she's late again, quoting fingers around late in the first. We see three time loops basically, three yeah. ways this plays out, and the first way we see it play out is she doesn't meet him in 20 minutes again she's literally 10 seconds yeah like several late. seconds late and it's like nope yeah that's it's it's too that and is i know late. they're trying to do a thing where it's like where it's like the little choices of everything that like it makes mm-hmm. it but it is also just like it's very drawn <laughs> it is it is i appreciated that it was a big swing you said it was extremely German. I said it was like every movie that's ever been screened on the channel IFC. Yeah, it did have strong IFC vibe. Like, it is the most of of something. And I think that's why people still talk about it. Yeah. And it's not like it's a bad movie. It's no. just a big swing. And yeah. that is not for no, everybody. No, I, like, I was like, is this cyberpunk? And you said no, which I think is right. And then I was like, is it technopunk or cyber techno? And I feel like it, it is one of those things. And that's what it is the most of. Like, I've never seen the movie Hackers. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I feel like, I don't know, like there just was a time when music video culture had taught us that we wanted like very quick cuts. Mm-hmm. And like, there's like some Amelie to it almost. The idea of like just following an idea like way too far, way too fast, and then like zapping back to the scene. Yes, because as Lola runs and passes people, her interactions with people, you see what happens next to them in a series of like Polaroid montages. Yeah, which I thought was very sometimes for like fun. the rest of their lives. Yes, which I did think was fun, but I also was like does it have to do with this? Right. I, I felt like this movie was like a, a very successful exploration of like style, but not an especially successful exploration of like story or even like theme. Style over substance? Yeah, style over substance, which can be an okay way to be. Yeah, and I think I had a less... I had a more positive reaction to this movie than you did. I think ultimately I was still pretty lukewarm on it, but I was like the positive side of lukewarm where I was like, okay, I, I enjoyed that. I see what it is. and that- I was definitely the positive side of like not liking it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like if I'm going to watch a movie I don't like, I would like it to at least be watchable and fast-paced and like offer me something that I'm not going to get someplace else. Yeah. Like I still had a, a film, a filmic experience. Mm-hmm. You didn't sit there hating it. Yeah. Like no, did I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't spend the hour and 20 being like, Oh my God, how much longer? Yeah. I, I appreciate that this movie knows exactly how long it really has to sustain our attention. And it's like, yeah. I'm going to get in and get out yeah. in an hour and 20. Mm-hmm. And that honestly is fine. It did not feel either too short or too long. It was yeah. exactly as long as it needed to be. Oh, here's a question that I asked last night. Yes, I think we should address this. This is the time. So do you think that it is actually 
magic that is happening and we are seeing a timeline actively resetting. Okay, so when Anthony says we see this play out three different ways, what happens is the first two ways it goes wrong and then Lola is like, nope, don't like this. And we get to go back to the moment when she learns that that this 20-minute timer has started and she has to get this 100,000... Mm-hmm. Deutschmarks. 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 Deutschmarks? Deutschmarks. So the question you asked at the end of the movie is, I, as I understood it, is like, what were the mechanics of that? Like, how did she do that? Yeah, or was she doing it at all? Like, Yeah, and I guess my answer is I don't really care. And I think that that's maybe why this movie is, like, not for me. Like, like I think if I were the kind of person who really cared to, like, puzzle that out or, like, try to pin down an answer to that kind of question, then this movie would be more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But, like, how is magic magic is not something that I care a ton about. And I used to, uh, like, sometimes get into discussions where I'd end up feeling, like, really um, self-conscious and, like, outdone by people who had, like, really thought it through. Like, I, I would feel foolish or, like, I missed a lot of things because people would be like, well, here are the evidence for all the different, like, magical ways. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, my God, I thought about none of that. But in my... Uh, frame your character in positive terms mm-hmm. <laughs> era. <laughs> yes, self-love era. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I feel like it's just that that's like not what I'm interested in. Like, sure. I'm into fairy tales. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always have been. Like weird little folk tales and the places they come from. And it's like, if you tell me, if you're like, and then there's some magic in this story, I my tendency is to be like, okay. And I don't really worry where it came from. Right. But I think in some stories more than others, that's like part of what the question is. You know what I mean? Like that's part of what they're proposing. Because if we say that it is her that causes this, it just raises like 10,000 more questions that are outside the scope of the movie that I I don't – that like why? Mm -hmm. Why ask myself that when I don't need to be worried about it? Sure. Has she always had this talent? Is it something she's always done? And can she do it on command? Does her life have to be? Is it something that she can only do when her life is threatened? Yeah. And if so, that seems pretty likely if it's the case that it's like in a life and death situation, she can do a reset. Does she get infinity of them? Like, is she going to be able to do this for the rest of her life? Is she going to be able has she known that she can do this? Did she do it when she was a little kid? Like, right. I, what? I think all of that is fair. And I think I would be a lot less interested in the question because i was fully ready to accept the premise that this was a movie where we are literally seeing the same 20 minutes play out three different ways yeah without really worrying about like how they're connected or if there's actually magic going on but there's a couple things that i get stuck on and one is that it seems like she learns from each time yes there are things that she knows in the second time around that she explicitly does not know the first time around and same thing the third time and the third time there are other people who seem to be aware of her in a way that they weren't the first couple times yes and the second thing is that she has a scream that can shatter glass and other people clearly experience this. Yes. They do set that up as like a superpower that she has even before the loop starts. Yes. Like before. So when the thing starts over, it it starts with her hanging up the phone from the phone call that tells her that she has the 20 minutes. 
And the first time we hear the scream is before she hangs up the phone. Mm-hmm. So that superpower exists outside of this loop, which does point to her having some like special abilities. And it is like, like the movie does sort of indicate that she's like in control of it. Like it, it starts over off of her demand both yeah. times. Well, the second time it starts over off of Manny going, no, because that was another thing that threw me off. First time definitely was her. And then I thought the second time, but then again, it could be that Manny poses the question. We just don't see her answer. There also is this little like sort of interstitial world that like could be a flashback to something, but it seems like it's more fun to me to interpret it as like real time, like as they're doing the reset. Oh, like a liminal space. Yeah, like as the as the little minions running the simulation of Earth are like setting back, you know, as we're mm-hmm. all going back to one. Yeah. They get sent to this little cozy moment mm-hmm. that they share where they sort of talk about their relationship a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that they talk about it uh, seems to speak to the, the version of events that we've just come from and also mm-hmm. informs the version of events that we go into. Yes. Which does also kind of point to like, I don't think it's a hypothetical. I don't think the movie is saying like, here's three ways that this could happen in the multiverse. I think the story the movie is telling is that all three of these did happen. This was all real. The first Mm -hmm. one happened and we didn't like that. So we tried again and we didn't like that. So we tried again. Right. And I guess the part that I'm like, eh, whatever is like, how or or why and like, like is, is she a superhero that goes around doing this? I guess I'm just too um, easily satisfied with the story that I've been told. You're too accepting of the premise. I saw how it functioned in this little capsule and it cohesed in there. And so I am not going to go clawing at it. I don't think you super need to. As a frustrated fantasy and sci-fi writer and sure. frequent dungeon master, yeah, yeah, yeah. shit like that makes me go, wait, but how, how does yeah, that yeah, work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it work? No, I, 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 think, I think most people do. And it's, I think of myself as a, a generally curious and sometimes frustratingly, I don't know what word I'm looking for right now, but I, I, I don't let things go sometimes. <laughs> persnickety? Yeah, sure, persnickety. <laughs> so, I, so I don't know why more than one time... I've been the one that's like, eh, don't bother me with that about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this the one area where I'm like, where I don't want to dive as deep into the rabbit hole as you possibly could? Yeah. But I don't. I, I want to hear the story that you got for me. And if that doesn't hang together, then maybe I'll be like, bro, your story's, your story's busted. Yeah. I have questions for you. Mm-hmm. But if it works internally. Yeah. I feel like it was I mean? pretty internally consistent. Yes, exactly. So And so I was happy with that yeah and there were i feel like because the movie was short i feel like they did a lot of good they did a good job timing out a lot of the stuff like when we were in time loop number two and we had been in it for like i don't know 10 minutes i think you turned to me and you were like okay wait is this supposed to be something that she understands what's happened before or is this just all brand new and then literally the moment you said that she did something that she only would have known yes had she experienced it uh, she used a skill that she had learned in the first version and it was just like a very satisfying yeah so that is a reason for me also that it's like 
I think these three these three things all did happen. I think what we saw was real. And I think it was satisfying that even though the events, the broad strokes of the events are exactly the same, something that I thought was going to happen before we watched this movie is it was like 20 minutes, she's going to visit three different people to try to solve this problem in 20 minutes and we're gonna see how different those things go and it's like no 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 she's gonna do the exact same thing but she's gonna make this tiny choice that's gonna change the trajectory of the rest of this loop yeah and i found that really satisfying yeah so did i the way that it is ultimately solved i think my favorite thing about it is Something that I can't imagine. Whoever wrote this had to fight tooth and nail for this, I'm sure. The way that it is solved is so unlikely. It's Mm -hmm. like a massive coincidence, Mm -hmm. which in screenwriting land, they love to tell you coincidence can get you into trouble, but it can't get you out of trouble. Audiences just don't accept that. Like if something's too convenient, Mm -hmm. we just don't like it. And that solves the problem. People just don't like that. It just doesn't feel earned yeah or whatever so i don't know i guess i guess i do think she's magic because it's like part of what i enjoyed watching about her like resetting it is that by the third one she is like so confident she's like no i'm gonna i'm gonna get this right this time and like this thing that like the odds are a million to one against is gonna work and i will it's gonna work because i've been because i reset the world Right. I'm going to make it work. Yeah. By just like clenching my butt cheeks. Yes, exactly. So I don't, so yeah, so I guess, I guess, I guess I do think she's magical. Okay. (laughs) Cool. I think overall, I, I don't have a lot of experience with experimental movies and this definitely is one of them. So I don't know how it stacks up against other movies. I think I liked it better than Mulholland Drive because it's just a more fun viewing experience. Like it the actual is definitely act. more fun than Mulholland Drive, for yeah. sure. Like the act of sitting down and watching it is just more enjoyable. Yes. It's less taxing. Yes. Do I sure. think Mulholland Drive was trying to do Wasn't more? Wasn't Mulholland Drive also like four hours long or It was something? two and a half. Yeah, it, it's lengthy. Yeah. But I think Mulholland Drive was also trying to do a lot. Yeah. But it's also kind of hard to compare because two-thirds of it to three-quarters of it is a, a TV show yeah, pilot. Yeah, I honestly... Ex- Except for the word experimental, I and I guess the year, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have occurred to me especially to compare them, I don't think. But I guess there is sort of a, I guess there is a tonal similarity of like, they're both like kind of weird and magic and also kind of cynical and like flat. It's a very like presentational performance that a lot of people are giving. Yeah. But it also might just be because they're German. Right. Like, I, I think there might also be some nuance that we're losing because German. Germans. Yeah. Like, just German language not being either of our languages. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I was so shocked to find myself thinking of Amelie so much because they're so opposite and, like... Though German Amelie would look a lot like Run Lola Run. Right, though? Yeah. Like, Amelie spends the whole time being, like... <laughs> like, people, what do they do? Like, a love, we don't know. That's That's how French people sound. And Run Lola Run is like techno and running, mm-hmm. but they do the same. Is that just what we were interested in in the 90s? Is like, it's like, what if we just could see every like 
tertiary character like like were we just frustrated in the 80s that we didn't know how things turned out for everybody on the sidelines like were people watching movies and being like i wish i knew what that non-speaking role like i wish i knew what was going on with them in their home life Mm -hmm. like well i'll become a filmmaker and i'll solve that problem right and so i'll just take a little time out of the plot of the story that i'm telling to just be like and also by the way Here's the entire life of someone that we only see for a couple of seconds. Mm -hmm. I know you were going to worry about that. Yeah, I don't understand, like, what meta text they were speaking to in these two movies. Yeah, like, what a weird, like, fad that Mm -hmm. was where all of a sudden films were, like, really concerned, like, no, like, leave leave no stone unturned yeah like tie like no loose ends yeah okay yeah we wrapped up the main plot no 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 No, what about your e plot what the fuck is an e plot yeah there's no such thing as an e plot oh but (laughs) but there is now (laughs) yeah i it is funny that you bring up amelie because it is like all right we've got a woman and a bob we've got some weird shenanigans with her lover we've got uh We've got prominent use of Polaroids. We've got yeah, she's we've got an icy father figure. We've got her problem solving, like it, like creative problem solving. We've got magical realism. She's, she, yeah, she's got to she's got to save some lives, but like not in like a Charlie's Angels kind of way, right. in like a saving people from themselves kind of way. Yeah, and like, oh, is she gonna do it by wrestling the guy for the gun? No, she's gonna do it by like puzzling pieces of pictures together mm-hmm. <laughs> until yeah. they make faces. Right. It's a weird, weird movie. Yeah. Um, so who's it for? Oh, gosh. I really don't know. I feel like it's for 1998 when it came out. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's for Germans. Yeah. I think it is for people who really like to be the person in the room who's knowledgeable about film but don't want to come off being douchey because that's when I usually hear it brought up is when people are like, oh, like in, Lo- in Run, Lola, Run. And you're like, uh, I'm sorry, pardon? Yeah. And they go, oh, don't worry about it. I'm honestly, I'm like trying to think of something that's like, oh, if you really like this and you want more of it, then you want Run, Lola, Run. But I like, I can't think of anything. It's kind of weird that I didn't see it at the time because it did come out like exactly in my like foreign film phase, which Mm -hmm. is weird to say because I was 11, but that was my foreign film phase. Near my childhood home, there was a movie theater that like reserved a screen just for like indie foreign films. We as a family would catch as many of them as we could. And so like, Sounds right. Before I, there just was a window where like I was old enough to go to pretty much any movie, but Mm -hmm. like still had time to do that. Sure. (laughs) So I guess it's for me when I'm 11, but it wouldn't have been my favorite one then either. (laughs) You know, as you were saying that I was running through some of the similarities in my head and something I did want to call out about the movie is that the soundtrack is awesome. Yeah. It's very fun. I think I said in the before times that I owned the soundtrack. So that was also just sidebar. That was like a surreal experience for me watching the movie is that it was like this movie that I've never seen, but every once in a while, like there would be this like very familiar moment of sound, but like not a pop song. Like, right. Like a like 90s techno, German house. Techno movie music. Yeah. <laughs> that I would suddenly feel like connected to like, oh, like I, I used this for like summer camp warmups. Mm-hmm. I think that this movie is, if you really liked The Matrix and you want another movie with a house music soundtrack that explores metaphysical themes, but you don't have more than 90 minutes, here you go. Okay. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Very, very sure. much variations on a theme. It's like, yeah, if you liked The Matrix, but you were like, I wish it wasn't so like visually polished. Run the Run is very visual. There's a lot of like really mm-hmm. nice camera work or whatever, but it is a lot more like you see people sweat, you see people's pores. Yeah, you there's see, a lot of like, shaky cam, and th- that's not how the Matrix is at all. Yes. So if you were if you were like, I liked the themes of the Matrix, but I want to feel like I know what the people smell like, mm-hmm. <laughs> then maybe this is the movie for you because I, I definitely don't know what they smell like in the Matrix. I know what they smell like in that '90s club scene in the beginning of the first Matrix, and I definitely know what they smell know. like in the club scene in do. the second Matrix. Yes, I do know that. Sweat and patchouli. Yeah. If we're being honest, it's like, what does all that patent leather do to anyone, you know? Yeah. But, like, it doesn't feel like human smells. That's true. Yeah. Even in the real world. That's very true. When they're all in sweaters and stuff, I still feel like they're just, like, very clean. Yeah, you know. Airbrushed. Yes. Conversely, you know how smelly Lola is when she walks into the casino. You know exactly how stinky she is. Yeah. So, I think I know the answer to this. Is this in your curriculum? No, no, it's not in mine. I'm sorry, but I if that makes me a square, then that's then that's what it is. Like I don't like I'm not saying it can't be in anyone's curriculum, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just not but in yours. I'm it's not in mine. Right. Again, big swing and it's for someone just not for you. I think I would put it in it's a pretty tepid optional reading, but I actually haven't put anything there in a while just because I was feeling a little bit more positively about it, and I am glad that I have seen it. Well, I feel like there's also a difference between, like, and we're just continuing to explore this as a podcast, but I feel like there's a difference between, like, this is in the curriculum and, like, I would recommend this to a friend. Like, remember Point Break? Yes. (laughs) When I was like, this isn't in my curriculum, but I would absolutely recommend that anyone watch it. Yes. I guess that's what I'm saying is you can be like, I, yeah, like this is like for some people, I would say go ahead and watch this, but it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, anyway, all of that is to say, um, it's probably going to go an optional reading just because I'd be like, sure, extra credit for, I, we have a class up on the curriculum called It Was the 90s. Sure. Yeah. Like if somebody, it has this like, maybe that's just like German too. It has this like, I want to say intellectual, even though it's like not at all, like nothing about it is intellectual at all. It's not pretentious, but it it is. But it has this like, yeah, it just has this like, like when we talk about books being like literature, like it has Mm -hmm. this like, I am film, like IFC. It has this IFC vibe around it Mm -hmm. that would make it impossible for if someone came to me and said, this is what I would like to pursue for my extra credit project. I don't know how I would say no to them. Yeah. I don't, like, on what grounds would I be able to say this movie is not worth your time? I wouldn't. Yeah. I just wouldn't assign it. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And if someone came up to you at a party and said it was their favorite movie, what would you think? I would look for something else to talk about. I would think this is neither a red nor a green flag to me. It's just a flag? I Yeah, I would it's just... one of those... One of those flags they wave in the middle of a NASCAR race that I don't know what they do. Yeah, I yeah, I honestly it would be a little I it would concern me, but not in a way that is like, oh no. Just in a way that I would be like, Oh, I'm not sure that we're gonna have much to talk about. You mm-hmm. and I, I might go try to find someone else to talk to at this party. Right. But I wouldn't then go like type an anonymous note to that person's girlfriend and be like, 
are you okay? Right. Here's where it would go wrong for me. I think if somebody got really invested in explaining to me why it is a, a really important I just could see this movie getting mansplained to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see it going down that road real fast. Mansplained derogatory. E- a couple episodes ago, we we said, I would, I think you said about Midnight's Children, I would love for someone to explain Midnight's Children to me. Yeah. Mansplaining in this yes, in I'm context is it. Please, someone. Yeah. If someone was like, my favorite movie is Run, Lola, Run, and then that was the end of it, then that's like pretty neutral information. But I would be concerned that would leave a lot of room in the conversation for it to become a mansplain. And then in 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 that case, it's like it's not run Lola run that's the problem. Yes, it's a it's a symptom. Yes, but I would I I, I do think it's the it could create the space for mm-hmm. that for that to happen. Yeah, certainly to me in a way that I would be like, please go away. Yeah, I think if someone came up to me and said my favorite movie is Run Lola Run, I think my first question would be, oh, lovely. Do you think she's magic? And then just see <laughs> sure. where it goes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that the answer to that is going to tell me a lot about yeah, yeah, the yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're like, and if it, <laughs> no, and I'm if like, it was oh, me, <laughs> I would be like, I don't care, and the, and that's that's the worst thing you can say in a conversation. I hate me at that party. <laughs> be like, who the fuck cares about that? Like, oh, now I just shut down that film nerd. Yeah. Go bring me some punch. <laughs> I Nerd. don't drink. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, go bring me some punch and then just smack it out of his hands. Yeah. And be like, go get a towel. You've party just, fail. You've just decided to ruin someone's party. Yeah. This NYU alumni party is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then, should we take a quick break and then come back and talk about Metallica? Yes, let's please. Okay. Hello, welcome back. Hello. All right, Metallica. Yeah, I feel like it's fair to call this the reason we're here. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so how did we feel about Metallica? One, two, three. I liked it I until I didn't. struggled more than I thought I was going to. Okay. But I don't think it's not worthwhile. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But I, I know that I, I went in from the before times. I was like, this is going to be a fun one. I didn't have as much fun. It was harder than I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't I didn't not have fun and in fact there were times where I was having quite a bit of fun. Yes, yes. I There were times where I was having quite a bit of fun. Yeah, there <laughs> there were like whole albums where I was having quite a bit of fun and then time passed. What I mean by that is yeah. you tell me what you were focusing on but I and I think we talked about this a little bit off mic. I was focusing mostly on Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets and Justice for All, Metallica, their fifth album and then I did refuel and a little bit of sane anger and then after 30 minutes i was only four songs in and i was like no and no but i focused mostly on their earlier work their up to 1991 stuff yeah because that's their most popular stuff and also the stuff that's most well regarded yeah okay i'll just take you on my little journey so i was like this is gonna be fun I like these sounds. I wasn't anticipating needing the like soaking period that I need sometimes for mm-hmm. like a musical sound that is foreign to me. Sure. Because I really thought that I'd like cracked that I was like everybody talks about metal like it's this like crazy loud noise but it's not. It's just pop songs with like different pedals and like distortion and shit. 
which I have already like custom braided my ear to. I didn't think it was going to be an issue and it wasn't. But what I was not counting on was the fucking length. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Every time you said that to me, I was like, someday we're going to have an argument about this, but it's not this day. It might be today. I was ready for what it sounds like. I was not ready for how long it takes and how repetitious it is, which is a crazy thing for like a, synth pop stand to say Mm -hmm. but i'm saying it anyway you just don't need to go around and around like that all the time like so so much so that slowed me down a little bit so i I listened to the first two i was trying to move towards the metallica album because i knew that Mm -hmm. was the one so i listened to the first two albums and i was like okay that's fine i'll come back to them if i have time and then i got to master of puppets and i was like everyone says this one is good so like I'm just going to park it here and Mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to it again and again until my brain believes that it's good. So I did that. And then I was like, I have earned the Metallica album. Mm -hmm. And then I put the Metallica album on and I was just like fucking jamming. Like after internalizing Master of Puppets that way, like this is a breeze. Yeah. Like how fun is this? Mm -hmm. I did end up having a lot of fun on that album. And I I Mm -hmm. think that that was the fun for me. Mm-hmm. the other parts never really stopped being homework and so i didn't i didn't get out of i didn't get past there and i was also my understanding that i don't really need to yeah i have never had the experience that i had with this band where someone's quality has just so fallen off a cliff sure like it felt like they were really in tune with what they were trying to do and their band's identity and their musical identity like it crystallized really quickly by master of puppets they were doing incredible work it changes a little bit by the time you get to metallica it's a little less thrashy and then it's just like grunge happens and they lost their fucking minds for 15 years. And we're just like, I don't know. Is this what you want? I don't know what you want. And like the other albums I listened to, I was like, why does this suck all of a sudden? Like, this is so not fun anymore. Yeah. And I think it's because they didn't know what they were doing anymore. They weren't having fun with it. So I wasn't having fun with it. And by the time we got to St. Anger... I was just like, what do you mean you have no guitar solos on this album? The only reason I want to listen to an eight and a half minute song is because Kirk Hammett is going to be let off the fucking chain for two and a half of those minutes. And you're telling me he's just playing rhythm guitar the whole time? Yeah. (laughs) I was so angry by the time I got through a little bit of sane anger. Not to mention that the lyrics all sound like James Hetfield's AA sponsor wrote them. Yeah, I struggled with a lot of the lyrics mm-hmm. throughout their career. And honestly, there were on Master of Puppets and the blue one. Ride the Lightning. Yeah. One of my favorite tracks, if not my favorite track, is the wordless one. <laughs> oh, uh, call. I think it's Call of Cthulhu on yeah, and Ride the Lightning and Ra- Orion. Orion. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I don't need your... I, don't hurt yourself. Like, I want a little bit of cleverness and that is what shut me out of evanescence for so long and then the day that i was like you know what cleverness comes in other flavors it doesn't have to be snippy if you're not gonna give me wit in the traditional sense like at least give me depth and i feel like metallica is giving me neither i just feel like it's all really heavy-handed and not it's not telling me anything i'm not like 
oh whoa <laughs> you know it's it's not it's nothing that's no, that hasn't occurred to me it's nothing personally revealing i don't know i just like sort of did understand the criticism and the, like i know that there was a time when people felt very threatened by this music because of the way that it represents male anger and I always thought that that was so, like, reductive and, like, silly, like, Nancy mm-hmm. Reagan bullshit. But, like, I kind of hear it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's most noticeable on the album St. Anger, which I made you listen to the the title song off of it. And you texted me multiple times while you were listening to it. Uh-oh. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. I believe I texted you screenshots of the lyrics. Yes. As they were unspooling. But that isn't the only time I felt that. Because I didn't listen to the rest of that album. I only listened to that track at... It doesn't get better. For a reference point. But like all the songs about like, and when you're dead, you're dead. Mm -hmm. I will be dead someday. Living is a pain, but dying's not great either. Never will. I will be the unforgiven. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Does my impression of James Hatfield sound a little bit like Scott Sapp from Creed? Yes, it does. Am I apologizing? No, I am not. Yeah. Fucking come at me, James. You know how you sound. I think, and that, I really liked that song. The song that I just like borrowed unwittingly Mm -hmm. was like one of my favorite tracks, actually. I really liked that song. Mm -hmm. And that guitar solo, rageous. Yes. That's a, I really looked forward to that song. Yeah. Every time. But the words, I'm like, meh. Yeah. Like, Metallica is every stereotype about a heavy metal band in one. Yeah. Some of them are incredible musicians. Like, I I think James Hetfield is actually a pretty good guitar player because he's the rhythm guitar guy. And, like, he does some really good work. And I I feel like their best... And part of the reason that I liked that I was jamming the most on the Metallica album, because it does this the most, I think, when I enjoyed it the most, is kind of their, like, slower jams. (laughs) Because I felt like that is when the rhythm and lead guitars would, like, play off each other the best. Yeah. Like, give me something interesting that we're all, that's already, like, like, set yourself up for success. And then shred. Yes. I felt like there was more room on some of those tracks that, like, have, like, a little bit of, like, a more plodding vibe. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's like more room for me to take in the shred. I know that's not what everyone wants, but like I could like relax into the shredding more as opposed to some of the tracks that were like, it's like already like frantic. Yeah. It's at like 200 BPM and they're just like going. Yeah. And then, and then they're, and then we're shredding more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, I don't. (laughs) As someone who had a dragon force phase as part of my metal phase, I was fine keeping up with the franticness of it. Yeah. I don't know that word, but dragon force you might recognize from Guitar Hero, they do the song Through the Fire and the Flames. I don't know why you would think Guitar Hero would be <laughs> would like help me. <laughs> I don't know. It was very popular as sure, a game. Sure, 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 Yeah. <laughs> you like, hung around with a lot of boys not. in high school when Guitar Hero was popular. I, I, I it, did not. In high school, I hung out with genderqueer lesbians who only listened to the Indigo Girls. Oh, right. Yeah, that is something you've complained about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they are, what would I call them? Speed power metal. Yeah, is oh, what, that, what that Dragon Force is. Like so. it's for me. No, I think not. I want contemplative metal. Mm. <laughs> so, like I was saying, Metallica is every good and bad stereotype all at once because sure. some of them are very talented musicians. I can't tell a good drummer from a bad drummer is something that I've learned from recent years and i don't mean like i can't tell when a drummer is off because i can i think it's almost impossible to be a successful band if your drummer's not good that's true but i also think that 
for at least the last few decades there's like supplemental technology where like it's better to have a drummer that has a musical sense and is gonna know when to hit what drums than have perfect ass time because you can have a metronome in your ear to my ear also as a non-drummer i think the drummer of metallica is fantastic yeah and i was just about to say like i think he's good i don't know but he sounds good yeah but I, yeah i guess what i'm saying is like i also think it's like really hard to be a rock band and not have someone that's just great. Like, I just don't think that your band even goes without that. People can pick up the slack for other instruments from time to time. But like, it's, I think it's one of those things. It's like, it doesn't even, it's not even going to sound like a rock song if they don't know exactly when to like spice it up and when to sit, when to just do the beats. Yes. (laughs) And the other thing that I will note is Metallica is, at least in their early stuff, really, really dorky. Like, they have not one but two songs about H.P. Lovecraft on their second and third albums. Yeah. Enter Sandman, there's that line, dreams of war, dreams of ire, dreams of dragon's fire. Yeah. They really lean into well, it. Not like, as hard as a lot of other bands, but I'm like, oh, you guys are fucking dorks. Also, I found out that I Kirk Hammett's- metal is dorky. Metal is dorky, but there's like a spectrum within metal of like, some people are really fucking dorky. Sure, yeah, okay. Like Blind Guardian has multiple concept albums about the Silmarillion. Yeah. One of which I own. So- <laughs> Where was I going? I don't know. Enter Sandman. Enter, oh, yeah. We want to just talk about that song for a sec. I'm down to, I I would like to also do that. Okay. Enter Sandman, their most popular song off their most popular album. Listen, it's a great song. And Mm -hmm. when they say grain of sand, I just feel it with my whole body every time. And I think that that is, that's what I mean by the like more laid back. Like the way that it starts with like, it's like spooky like Mm -hmm. a little bit haunted yeah like that that's what i want i want there to be room for haunting in my metal yeah and i i feel like half about half the songs on that album do that for me yeah the riff are you guys all hearing in your mind the little little riff from enter sandman like it's just so like off-putting and like that's what i want and if you're just like there are songs that are like too busy to do that i want room for tone yeah And I do think that Metallica is really good at nailing the haunting intro to a song. And then sometimes it just gets really fast, really, really quickly. And then sometimes it just like, it's a good build. Yeah, sometimes it's a good build. And I feel like their first five albums, it definitely happens with regular frequency by like Master of Puppets. They're like, oh, we know how to make a kick-ass album. Yeah. I feel like I should mention, I wasn't sure I was going to like anything other than their self-titled album. And then Master of Puppets, I think, is actually just like a genius piece of metal. Okay. Um, it's fantastic. I made myself like it the way that I do, but I, especially by comparison, I found it so easy to like their self-titled album that mm-hmm. I think that's where my heart is and where I would tell anyone to start. That's the one I started with when I was listening because I knew it was the easiest one to get into. Yeah, but Master of Puppets, it's like, I got there. It's also, the songs are longer. Like, I just don't need this like eight minute song. Like on the self-titled album, the songs are like five minutes. Six yeah. minutes. There's like a couple that are like four and a half so that there can be like one that's eight. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's that's a great that's a great way to be an album. I, I mean, it's actually not. Those songs are still too long. But comparatively. It, yes. In the genre, that's the conceit of the genre that I need to, like, I'm in their house. Yeah. But Master of Puppets is just like, it is good. It is good. I got there. But it's long-winded and heavy-handed. Master of Puppets is the one that has the most 
of this particular sound that I really like. It's either one guitar with reverb on it or two guitars harmonizing. It is a sound that is very popular in Iron Maiden music because mm. Iron Maiden has between three and four guitarists on any given song, not sure. counting the bassist, where they are playing the lead guitar riff and it just seems to like echo. Yeah. Anytime I hear it, I just like stop whatever I'm doing and I'm just like feeling it in that moment. It's uh, one of my yes. favorite things and it's all over Master of Puppets and I just really, really like it. Yeah. I think that's why I like the wordless one the best because I feel like it's there's just like such a instrumental it's like very it's like meditative. Yeah since you bring up Orion I'm gonna just mention and this is for our listeners out there who know Dungeons and Dragons. The other day was the end of my two-year campaign that I've been playing with some of my friends and we were playing the Rise of Tiamat campaign so in the last battle we had to fight Tiamat the evil god of dragons. And so I was like, well, nothing on my massive Spotify playlist for D&D really feels epic enough. And then I was like, wait a minute. Wait. I know. And I put on Orion and I was like, this is correct. Yeah. This is how you fight the god of dragons. Yeah. It was a long fight, but I was kept in it by a lot of instrumental heavy metal, including, but not limited to, Orion and Call of Cthulhu. I think off that album, I that and the titular Master of Puppets are the ones that, that did the most for me. So the thing that should not be, I think is another great example of like, there's a lot of musical artistry. Like if it were in like, if it were just in another language, I think I would think that was a great goddamn track. But it's like the lyrics are, it's like J.J. Abrams wrote songs. Put it in the mystery box. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. He is just like fully just quoting Lovecraft. There's a line in there that's, that is not dead, which eternal lie and given strange eons, even death will die. That's just fully from H.P. Lovecraft. There's one, okay, on the song Through the Never, which again is a good song. Yeah. One of the tracks I enjoy more on the album because it has that like contemplative vibe. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the guitars are talking to each other in mm -hmm. a way I really enjoy. All that is, was, and will be. Universe, much too big to see. Time and space, never ending. Disturbing thoughts, questions pending. Questions <laughs> pending? Questions I never pending. caught that. Oh, no. Limitation of human understanding. Too quick to criticize. Obligation to survive. We hunger to be alive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't, it's like, you haven't said anything. Literally, it's just like, big thoughts, big thoughts, man. Mm -hmm. I got some big, big thoughts. I got some big questions. It's not your job. It's not our job as artists to have all the answers to all the questions. But I just feel like we should at least be like making motions towards like some kind of like attempt. Yes. <laughs> like to advance the conversation to at least explore yeah. rather than just be like, there is a question here. There are questions pending. Question disturbing thoughts. Questions, questions pending. pending. That is. <laughs> could be a fun TikTok description. Just yeah. disturbing thoughts, questions pending. If you want me to contrast that with how I feel Amy Lee has tackled the same theme. Sure, sure. <laughs> you can, you you know, you keep it or don't. I've chosen not what I think is her best work, but something, on, I've tried to pick something on a similar theme so that it's fair, yeah? Mm-hmm. Piecing every thought together, find the words to make me better. If I only knew how to pull myself apart. All that I'm living for, all that I'm dying for, all that I can't ignore alone at night, 
all that I'm wanted for, although I wanted more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lock the last open door. My ghosts are gaining on me. Mm, It's better, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like it's it's still like a lot scary mysteries yes. like well, existence is a yeah. cup is dark and, and and what does any of it mean right. but like lock the last open door my ghosts are gaining on me like that i don't know it's like it, at least you've brought me some arresting images yes yeah <laughs> at least you've told me something about like your experience of these disturbing thoughts and questions pending yes you yeah. know i was never sold on his lyrical complexity or lack thereof yeah, and it's again, it's that's not that's not what a band lives and dies by for me. Like you don't need to have the world's cleverest lyrics. No, but for it does to, help. But like over a body of work mm-hmm. <laughs> when all your songs are eight minutes long, like at some point there should be some give me something. <laughs> yeah, it's what was most striking about it to me was not that he didn't start that complex because i feel like a lot of people when like the songwriting on fallen is not as good as the songwriting on evanescence's self-titled album sure but just lyrically speaking yes but james hetfield just doesn't get better yeah like he starts out fine and just stays fine for 40 years because i don't think but yeah because i i don't think he's pushing himself i mean i i don't know i did absolutely no research about them as people but like I think it's like to him it's just like part of the genre that you just like allude to darkness and that's all you have to do you know what I mean like I like I just don't think it's I don't think he thinks it's like part of his job to expand on a thought yeah I mean that wouldn't surprise me because he does seem like the most aggressively straight person that we've covered on this show sure I looked up what are his hobbies and it's like restoring classic cars Reading yeah. H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah. Watching the Oakland Raiders. And I'm like, yeah. I sent you a clip that I would like to describe to our audience. Yes. Of Metallica in a, a carpool karaoke situation. With Billy Eichner. Yes. Being asked to listen to a Rihanna song. Diamonds in the Sky. Yes. That's James in the front, right? That's James in the front. Like everybody else. It's not everyone has to like Rihanna. Obviously they're in a different, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it, that's not their jam. We all understand that. But like. And the people sitting in the back are left to right. Kirk, Lars, Robert. Sure. I don't fucking know. I just know the guys in the back were like, oh, yeah, I've heard this one. Like, yeah, like. They're gamely singing like, along. Like They're rock along. on, Riri. Like, yeah. it's not, it's, this is not, this is not our thing. Yeah. But like, I just feel like you have to be as a titan of music. You can't be like fucking begrudging about people who are good at a music that's different from yours. And this goes back to my thing about like when people are too insistent about how another like a certain form, like a piece of art is stupid or trashy when people are too impassioned about that. It's usually because they're sexist or classist. Yes. <laughs> and I just feel like he's so like dour up there. Like he get like just enjoy this. It's it, it's so much shorter than all of your songs, yeah. James. Yeah. Like just. And he, it's not even that he's frowning he's literally sitting up there going no like stop uh, uh, and he's like so trying to like stupid. metal riff over rihanna and everyone in the back is like okay like this music is so, like uh like yeah, who it, would even call this music and it's like yeah bro it's very childish everyone <laughs> yeah it's very childish like at one point i think he says something he's like oh fuck beyonce and lars from the back is like who doesn't like Beyonce? I think Billy Eichner says something to the effect of like, do we want to do Rihanna or Beyonce? And oh. 
Yeah. 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 Just like. It's so, it's so childish like, and unnecessary. Yeah. But I think that James is definitely an asshole. Lars probably is an asshole. And I say this because you brought up a song on Metallica, Don't Tread On Me, and you were like, is this a pro-war song? Because they seem pretty anti-war in their earlier stuff. Yeah. Looked it up. It is. And James Hetfield was like, oh yeah, we had to write a pro-war song to balance out the anti-war stuff. Because we don't want people thinking we're all mixed up in politics. All we're trying to do is rock, man. And I'm like, and like he goes out of his way on multiple occasions over the years to be like, oh no, 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 no. Don't like explicitly don't let yourself think that we have opinions. Metallica performed at a concert supporting climate change research. And then afterwards he explicitly was like, Oh, no, no, no. We're not here for the climate change. We're here because it's a big venue. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, man, fuck you. Like, if you can't get behind anything. Yeah. I want to talk about the war songs thing just really quickly, though, because that just says to me, like, the fact that, okay, so on Master of Puppets, there's a song called Disposable Heroes, where it sort of makes it sound terrible to be a a soldier, basically, to fight in a war that isn't, that is meaningless to yep. you. And they have a similar song on the next album, Injustice for All. And then all of a sudden on Metallica, they have a song called Don't Tread on Me that's so like, has this like, like America's the greatest. Like, yeah. Vibes. I'm going to pull up the lyrics because, um, uh, woof boy. I mean, you don't tread on me. Like you're, it's, you can already hear it. But I just feel like that to me says that in those earlier songs, because they also have songs that sort of more abstractly explore the idea of like being on a battlefield or like like the identity of being a warrior, like that kind of imagery comes up a lot. And the fact that they were like, oh, quick, we got to do, we got to flip flop so that people don't think that there's politics involved in this makes me feel like they're just trying to um, capitalize on like that experience of violence that isn't theirs because it's like because that's like fucking metal man and yeah. that and that's gross to me to have all these songs that are like I stand in this pile of bodies and like that's the themes of your music but then you're not willing to to be like war isn't good yeah do you see what I mean like no, it's I, I do because like, it's like you're using that to make people fired up or like no, make this... men feel something because Yeah, and this is some, like, jingoistic early 90s Gulf War shit right here. This is, so be it, threaten no more, to secure peace is to prepare for war. That is some very, all the George Bushes. Previously, it says, liberty or death, what we so proudly hail, once you provoke her rattling of her tail, never begins it. Never but once engaged, never surrenders, showing the fangs of rage. I'm sorry. Never begins it? Never begins it? Literally always Vietnam was 20 years before. Are you fucking kidding me, James? Well, and like all of Native American genocides. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, but you can't can't even be like, oh, it's been a while though, man. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Yeah, but it's like, so, okay. So, but then also you want to have this like emo attitude about like standing like watching the sun go down for the last like that the last thing you'll ever see like it just that also to me feels just like very childish this like yeah it's a complete unwillingness to engage with the implications of your own imagery yes just like we're using this until we feel it is no longer necessary lest you think we are taking a position on anything 
we're just going to zag on you a little bit and yeah. make sure that you don't. Yeah. And I guess that's why I'm saying that the like one million moms attitude that I used to think was so stupid of like, of like this music is turning the young boys angry. Like it's never so simple. Like I, anytime anyone has like mm-hmm. cultural alarmism about something like that, that's never exactly what it looks like. Yeah. But the more I listen to it, I'm like, no, a little bit like I can't see this like planting little seeds in like because it is also like even though it is neither clever nor deep, deep there is an intensity of feeling. Yes, that is that true. I think that men mm-hmm. <laughs> struggle Mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. <laughs> so i can really see the stereotype of the like basement boy like listening to too much metallica and then getting radicalized it's like it doesn't i again i liked this project i did enjoy their album mm-hmm. but it doesn't that image is less absurd to me i thought it would be even more absurd to me once i listened to their music because usually the more you examine anything the less mm-hmm. the less easy it is to just see like such a simple story like that but i i listened to it and i can see it yeah as someone who was a basement boy who did listen to a lot of metal not metallica but a lot of stuff like metallica yeah sometimes i look back you made it out some yeah but sometimes i look back on myself and i'm like i don't know how i did i guess i was just too queer and too jewy like <laughs> truly like that has to be it because yeah, otherwise like i guess it's I funny though because like you weren't <laughs> either of those not openly at the time but like it yeah. was always there you right, know yeah yeah yeah. no so, I, like, no, i just think that's interesting that it's like i guess it was just like when those, i think it was like those things were waiting for you yeah i think it's just like when the next step would happen when people would be like do you like this angry music and i'm like yeah it's really intense and i have undiagnosed adhd that's this is also probably part of it right yeah and they're like do you think that women are objects and should be subservient to men i'm like, like wait, wait what wait, no wait, wait. no 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 <laughs> hang on yeah no thanks yeah can we just enjoy the music? And they're like, yeah, it's about the music. I'm like, okay, all right. And chauvinist supremacy. No, God, fuck, no. All yeah. right, no, 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 no. Do you think Nazi images are cool? Uh, cool is a strong word, but it, they certainly did have stylish uniforms. <laughs> all right, cool. So you want the Nazis back, right? No, I don't. No, no, no I no, don't. No, 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 very, no, no. very bad. Yeah. They're the opposite of what I want. You know, yeah. like step two just never materialized yeah, for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it, it is silly and alarmist to assume that step two is like an inevitability from like enjoying this band. And that's yeah. like, I am trying to say that too, but it's like, and I honestly, it's like the, I feel like the music barely mentions women at all. Like it's not yes. even like very chauvinist because it's like, there are no, it's, but the way that it indulges a very male version of like victimhood. Mm-hmm. It, it has it has where's my prize energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have I explained where's my prize energy Not on, on the this air. podcast. Not on the air. Okay, so there's a musical you guys called Assassins <laughs> that is about everyone who has ever tried or succeeded in uh, assassinating an American president and one of the refrains, one of the sort of like ideas that that one of the assassins leads is like they promised me a prize. Where's my prize? When it's like everybody's talking like, well, why did you it it's magical. It exists outside of time. They get to the assassins get to talk to each other, even if their lifetimes didn't overlap, like, you know, theater. Mm-hmm. 
theater magic and it's like well why 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 like the whole thing is an exploration of like well why why would anyone do this and one of the answers is like because they promised me a prize i'm an american man it was supposed to be better than this i was supposed to get more they promised me a prize yeah (laughs) and i don't know it's just something that i identify sometimes in angry men around me in the world and also in like the material of angry men that goes out onto the internet that seems it's like the justification at the basis of all of it is they promised me a prize yeah and i do feel that some not all but some of these tracks give me where's my prize energy have this like god made me a boy mm-hmm. and yet somehow people do not fall at my feet yeah what's that about right i don't like that yeah i don't like it either all right so who is metallica for <laughs> well uh it's definitely for angry boys but i wish it wasn't yeah. i mean I think it's for my answer a lot of times at this point is like anyone who wants like a thorough understanding of rock and roll should probably get to this at some point. Yeah. I mean, Um, they are credited with essentially establishing thrash metal as a subgenre, which is a very important subgenre. Yeah. And and I do stand by my my before time statement that it is like much more listenable than like if you're a millennial the way we grew up hearing it described and like othered from music generally i think is just pretty outrageous like we live in a post skrillex world someone who built his entire career on sounding like a dial-up modem like this is much more yes it's mellifluous (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) and actually i do think i think anyone who wants a, a thorough understanding of rock and roll but also, now that you bring it up, anyone who wants a thorough understanding of, like, dubstep hmm. or, like, like certain kinds of, like, intense electronic music should probably just give this a checky out skis. Like, it's... Yeah. It's not a direct A to B comparison, but... No, but it's the, the seeds of yeah. the sound profiles. Yes. I don't know. I feel like I'm always, like, pretending to understand music in a way that I don't. But it's, like, the, the way that the tools are fitting together... Mm-hmm. even though they are different tools yes if you like the song enter sandman when it comes on the like 90s station if you're like oh this old chestnut just go listen to the rest of the album like it is it's good yeah it is it's a solid it's a solid piece of work i, I- think as an album it is less good than master of puppets for me but that's only because master of puppets is i think incredible i think i liked it better because it's just like this is going to be so insulting to like Metallica's sensibilities, but like it's just a little closer to pop music. It's just like a little like more like radio friendly. It, like if you don't listen to metal otherwise, it's just an easier entry point, I think. Yes, I fully agree. I think it is the best. It's their red. It's the best balancing point of sure. like the thing they're good at and what the people want. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you if you find yourself because I always have these like guilty pleasure moments around like you know all those dumb '90s bands that happened at once that are that were like like faux grunge like not Creed because they were too Christian but like the guy the ones like that like my girls in the next room mm-hmm. <laughs> or like Bush is that a band I don't want to come back down from this cloud oh, there's yeah, like yeah. there's like a handful of those songs from the '90s that I'm like wait I do like this like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no not me but yes i do yeah this is a a much more dignified way to explore those sounds <laughs> yes you can scratch that itch with this yeah like if you if, if you like that when it comes on the radio like stop that music's not 
this is better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to be the judgment, to, to be judgmental because that's what I hate in other people. But like that music, I don't think is really that great. And this is at least like a, a pillar of rock and roll history, even if it's not for everyone. Yes. So, is this in your curriculum? Yeah, I I think it is, yeah. I think so, too. It definitely lives in School of Rock. Oh, yeah. Could go in art and mental illness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, musical exploration of, like, the sick and well mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I feel like a chronicle of toxic patriarchy and, like, male isolation. Mm-hmm. I, one thing I did learn from this is that I wish Evanescence left more room for shredding. Yes, yeah. Like I did, I didn't know with all the Evanescence I've been listening to since we covered them several months ago. I didn't know how much I was missing that. Like this taught me that, and that's that's significant. It's not mm-hmm. just that I enjoyed it. Like I did learn. I did also learn something about what I want in music, and it's just a little more shredding. Yeah, I agree. And it wasn't one of those things that I clocked about Evanescence until you mentioned it, and I was like, oh yeah, that yeah, is. like why not? It would fit. It would fit right in yeah I, i'm not trying to hire a rapper over you amy no. lee just take well, just take a break have some of your tea take 32 counts have a little tea yeah have some throat coat and uh let someone and let someone shred for a little bit let that fun german woman you hired to be your guitarist just get her out of the barn yeah before we go i did want to read a rating that we got it is a five star rating on the only kind we accept the only kind we accept on apple podcasts and it is from J73227. And it says, great podcast. Interesting conversations, well executed, and fun. Highly recommended. Short but sweet. Thank you very much, J73227. That's so lovely. Yeah. We are fun. We are indeed fun. Can corroborate. <laughs> yeah. I think now between Apple Podcasts and Spotify, we are a quarter of the way to our goal of getting a hundred five star ratings so that we can watch Twilight and read Twilight. <laughs> That's exciting, but also like I know you're just like you don't even have to leave words. Just do the stars. It's Please true. just do the stars. Like, don't you want to hear us talk about Twilight? Like, I want to hear us talk about it's Twilight. It's going to be hilarious. Yes. So please just go do it. Yes. Like, I'm sorry to be such a, like, telethon, mm-hmm. but, like, can you just... It really, it really does help. And we do really appreciate everyone who has been leaving us ratings yes. and reviews. That is all very kind. Any platform that you are willing to leave them on is great. Apple Podcasts and Spotify work the best. We've also been getting some on Pocket Casts. Not Pocket Casts. We've been getting some on Good Pods. I should start counting those two towards the total. Sure, yeah. That might actually put us closer to And, like, tell your friends, especially if we talk about something that, like, you know your friend likes. Like, yeah. let them know. Friend of the pod, Connor, told a bunch of people about the Taylor Swift episode, and they all really liked it. And I really appreciated that yeah. he did that. So, yeah, tell your friends. Yeah, you definitely know someone who likes Taylor Swift. Yeah, word of mouth always helps. Yeah. So, anything else we want to cover on anything that we covered today? Oh, oh, where can they find you on TikTok? At Trash Analysis. You can find me at Anxious Arch Fay on TikTok and Twitter, and you can find the show on Twitter at Sophisticate Pod. All right, that about does it for us on I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. Good night and good luck. Brr.